everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Felt a great disturbance in the force. Hello, I'm Mr. Ray. Come on, Mark, like a dog for me. Where's the goodies? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. I bet you wouldn't have done anything like this if Mom and Dad were here. You filthy criminal. Excuse me while I whip this out. Go ahead. Make my day. Here are your hosts, Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Professional wrestling has a pleasure of returning to Long Island at the Nassau County Coliseum on an upcoming Friday night, Friday night, the 17th of November. And scheduled to grace the squared circle on this occasion, ladies and gentlemen, will be the manager standing to my right. And all his sartorial splendor, if you would, the Grand Wizard of Wrestling, as you will be representing superstar Billy Graham on this occasion. That is correct. Once again, the fortunate people in the Long Island area will be able to have a visual feast as they see in action the great, the former Worldwide Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion, the man with a million and one muscles, superstar Billy Graham, in all his glory, blazing his way to still another great, grand, and victorious match. That's what's going to happen, Mr. McMahon. Uh, welcome to Everything Old is New Again. Douglas Viviani here with uh, Mr. Pandemonium himself, David Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> remember those days? Do you remember? I remember them well. Yes, I do. I have to tell you, I rem- that's that, of course, is wrestling from the 1970s. Totally different animal than we're dealing with, I think, today. And I, I, I just hearken back to those days growing up on Long Island, dying and wishing to go to Madison Square Garden to see Bruno Sammartino, knowing that that's never going to happen. Like, parents aren't going to take us to the New York City area just to see that. You know, uh, the, the circus, yes. <laughs> but wrestling, no. Um, but okay, Nassau Coliseum was kind of close. So the dream for my brother and I was we were watching, like, remember this when you used to get you know, TV uh, with through the UH, UHF interview? UHF, yeah. And it was like that sure. wrestling was on channel 67. It was 67. On, you remember? Same that? channel as uh, Uncle Floyd. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you were right there with me. David Cohen did not really, did not know you were, you were that into it as I, I was into was. it in that, in the late 70s. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, we just it, 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 here's the thing. It was the dream of us to go to Nassau Coliseum and convince Dad to take us to the Nassau Coliseum to a wrestling match. And we knew we weren't going to get the chance to see Bruno because he was too highfalutin for us. You know what I mean? Um, like, like he wouldn't appear at the Nassau Coliseum. He ne- I don't think he he may have come once in a while, but he he never really came to Nassau, Nassau Coliseum. He was more the A League, and that was Madison Square Garden. You get the B League over at you know at, at the uh, NASA Coliseum, and then the C League at the local uh, you know basements of the churches and things like that. <laughs> but <laughs> but they but they were just growing, and uh, you know and I would it was a dream. I, today I don't know that you if if the ticket was a dollar I don't know if I would even go. Well, for people different. who don't who don't follow wrestling, how how was it different in the seventies versus now? Exactly, and that's what we're going to explore this entire show. Um, okay, and I think what you first see is. Number one, managers speaking on behalf of and with the wrestlers. You had who? You had the Grand Wizard of Wrestling. You had Lou Albano. You had Classy Freddie Blassie for the most part. 
And they could, that tradition continued in the 80s and somewhat 90s. But I don't So, in other words, it, the interviews were with the managers, not necessarily the wrestlers all the right, time. Right. Correct. And or the manager and the wrestler together. But right. the, it was like a soap opera. Those managers, you got to know who they were. So oh, even, yeah. Even if their clients, so to speak, their wrestler moved on to another territory and they brought somebody else in, you had the, the manager. There was consistency there, if that makes sense. Right? Yes. And today, Today's world, I don't even know that they have. I'm not really a big fan now, so I can't. I look on the outside looking in, but I don't really see, other than this guy Paul Heyman, I don't see any managers of wrestlers now. Now, these are little things, like we've talked about baseball in the past, you know, and how it's changed. These are little erosions to me, little, we're going to bring them out, little erosions of what we fell in love with. And what, the, what, what there is now, and maybe kids are falling in love with it now, but I'm just talking about, to me, to me personally, it's it's lost everything that it used to have. Part of it was the invincible champion, like, the, you know, you had Bruno San Martino. Bruno San Martino never lost. Well, he did, but he lost non-title matches and disqualification, so the, the title didn't change. Right. Does that make sense? But not, when you saw him on TV, at least, he never lost on TV. Well, that, and that's where I saw most of the wrestling. I was going to say, but we, we barely, you'd never see him on TV. It was closed circuit TV. It didn't, you know, you didn't really see those matches. I used to. From Madison I, Square. Saw him, okay. I think because you had cable early on. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have that. So, oh. So maybe you could see him from Madison Square Garden. It's a good point. I never could. But yeah, he was the juggernaut. You had the, the, the evil empire, like the Yankees, right? I mean, like uh, only more so. He never lost that title for 11 years. But he was a good guy originally. Bruno was always a good yeah. guy. Yeah. Always the good always guy. Always was a good guy? Yeah, always. Okay. He, here he is responding to superstar Billy Graham. We'll talk about this in a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, in Madison Square Garden this Monday night, Bruno Sammartino to my right opposes superstar Billy Graham. I'm quite certain you are hoping for victory in your return to the garden this Monday. I am most definitely hoping for victory. I feel victory events. I feel it in my bones and every muscle in my body. But most important events, I feel I'm, I, I can't even I can't wait for these two days because it seems like two months away. I am so thrilled, so so absolutely thrilled out of my head to be going back to Madison Square Garden in front of all those beautiful people that have supported me for so many, many years. I, I hope that I can give them one gift to eliminate this thief from professional wrestling. <laughs> I'm thrilled to death, Vince. As far as the accusations thrown by Superstar and that you're not the same man you were at one time? I'm going to show him that I am three times the man that he is, and I'm going to show him that I'm in better shape than I've ever been in my life because I completely dedicate myself to my profession, especially when I got to meet the likes of him. Bruno Sammartino appearing this Monday night in Madison Square Garden against superstar Billy Graham. I mean, that was some rivalry. Now, now he was kind of in shape for the 70s, but for today's world, you, I don't think you'd say he No, those guys be. were, yeah, they weren't like, they weren't really cut, you know. They were just, just massive, like, bubble muscles and fat, but they, <laughs> as a kid, you didn't care. They looked big, and you were more, it was more about the personality anyway. Until there was superstar Billy Graham. I think he admitted to using the steroids, and he was cut like crazy. He was really yeah. muscular as as can be, right? But again, you, yeah. so you, you got that, like those interviews, and you really wanted to go see those as a kid. And instead, you would get on TV, you'd get matches like this. This match is set for one fall with a 10-minute time limit. Introducing, in the corner to my right, from the Isle of Malta, Weighing 265 pounds, Baron Miguel Cicluna. 
and his opponent, 253 pounds from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Special Delivery Jones. Special <laughs> Delivery Jones. Come on, man. He was great. Remember Ivan Putsky? Yes, we'll talk about Putsky. I definitely have Putsky for you. I, I SD just... Jones, man. He used to come out with those like white tights, you know, the shorts. <laughs> but then those guys were on TV, but I knew more about them than I did about Bruno San Martino. Exactly my point. You would get those guys. Like, Baron Miguel Cicluna, I, this is 50 years later, I don't know what I, mean. I still remember that he's from the Isle of Malta. I mean, Malta. <laughs> and I don't think he ever won a match. <laughs> Baron Miguel Cicluna. Probably not. He was the, but then they would always have the, the patsies, the guys who you knew were going to lose. You never heard of them before. Like, you know, Joe Smith. And he'd come out and run around the ring and adjust his shorts, get all psyched up for it. Then Ivan Putsky would come and, like, just, just Maim destroy him. him. Exactly. Yeah. Or you would like get... Larry, he was like Larry Jones or right. something. He was always, he was like the Washington Generals <laughs> against the, the Harlem Globetrotters. And their, what was gonna exactly. and their hello was always like, would put their arm, their fist in the air. Like, that was their... That was their thing. Their yeah, run. they had no fan base. No one knew who they were. Right. And then, or, or, like, and the title match... Or the great match for that day on UHF might like you'd go through all of those matches we just mentioned and then you'd get this one. It's not bad. Strong bow on his feet now, ladies and gentlemen. Whips in a rope, shoulder block. Fuji goes down. Strong bow is on the warpath. Mr. Fuji against Strong Bow. There's something. Uh oh. There is definitely something there in the right hand. The foreign object. The foreign object. Willie the referee checking the tights down once again to pass in the pass back. Apparently, Tanaka still has it in his right hand. So between Fuji and Tanaka, they're passing There's something back and forth. On the outside. And whatever it was Tanaka had, I believe he wrecked it into the face of Peter Maivia. So you had Peter Maivia. And Chief J. Strongbow, the two chiefs of different, you know, uh, allegedly of two different tribes, so stupid, against uh, you know, the, the, the Asian, what would you call the, the Tanaka Aren't they from Puget. Samoa or something? So, yeah, I mean, just like, just yeah. the lowest common denominator. But but uh, that's the, that would be the match with the, you know, the foreign object that the referee would never see. And you get They'd so never angry. see it. You get so and sometimes angry. Chief J would he would yeah he would lose sometimes right yeah no doubt to that but it was sometimes he wins so it's, those matches you didn't really know how they were going to turn out right but you had he had an excuse because of the foreign object so he shouldn't have lost the foreign object yeah he never lost I'm fairly exactly if you, I'm sorry <laughs> yeah he wouldn't have lost. <laughs> Never, right. If he lost, it was because someone was cheating. Exactly. We'll and back. it would just, you know, it would burn you up. You're like, hey, yes. hey, that's not right. And man. that stinking referee would never find it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, what's he looking up, at? Ref, come on. <laughs> we'll be back and everything else. I'm again. from the Isle of Malta. To... Ladies and gentlemen, from Krakow, Poland. Weighing 240 pounds. It is the that's right, you said it, baby! There he is. Polish power! Ah! <laughs> Everything else do again. I'll tell you one thing, everybody better be nice to us Polish people because we have a Polish Pope now! 1970s. And I want to sing it's a beautiful a song <laughs> for the main man upstairs! This is your, the main man. And this is your man, Ivan Putski. Also to Bruno, I want to dedicate the song to the living legend, Bruno San Martino. There you go. There's always a reference to Bruno. I love you so. Listen to that. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, boy. Not too much more of this. Wow. Ivan Putski. We're talking here wrestling 1970s versus now. And just like just to get an idea, I mean, to try to get the personalities. Uh, there's your buddy Ivan Putski. Ivan Putski. He was, he was a force of nature. <laughs> He was. He now, really he was, was in good shape. You, yeah, yeah, he was. He actually was in good shape, but he was like the just a just a real showman. And you always rooted for him. Yes, you always rooted for him. He was a good guy, right? He was a good yeah. guy. Uh, but he he had no hesitation. Like the, I'm sure behind the scenes, you know, Ivan, you're, you're losing this match. Okay, like the, he he didn't have any like perfect record or anything like that. And, right. You know, he didn't win right. titles. He I think he was part of the tag team champions at one point for a little bit. But he was just like the personality, the guy you love. He was gonna. You know, make you laugh and smile. It was it was a cartoon back then. Is what we were saying off the it end. was. I mean, there was a treat also when when uh, Andre the Giant would come on. You know, he'd be on TV occasionally. Yes. It was it was a cartoon. He was enormous, and they would always match him against. I think somebody like deliberately, you know, short of stature. Yes, or just, two or three. Just so you get the yes. the visual. Or two or three of them. He'd have the handicap. Or two or matches. three. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and then you've got like the Sicilian stretcher. Like this is the thing. Sometimes they have these different kind of matches too, which was cool, which I don't have now. They, I've never seen a Sicilian stretcher match. Now let's just hear what well, this is. With that in mind, let's bring on the number one contender once again. Superstar Graham with his manager with a smirk on his face to Grandwood. Just what does that little pipsqueak, that neophyte, that upstart, that <laughs> redheaded thief? The illegal champion Bob Backlund even know about a Sicilian stretcher match. He's never been in one. The superstar has been victorious in each and every one he's ever been in. Uh, I have to tell you the truth. God's honest truth. I looked up, and I'm a huge fan of the 70s wrestling. <laughs> I don't remember a Sicilian stretcher match, what it is. And I looked it up on the internet, and I could not find it. So I don't know, even know what <laughs> They just it made it up. Did you ever see one? I don't remember ever seeing one. I never saw one. Sicilian stretcher match. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. It's so crazy. But that was part of the fun. This non right. nonsense. Like the chicken wing. Like they, they, they had certain moves that Gorilla Monsoon or Vince McMahon, they would give, the, the announcers would give the certain moves names like this right. one. Right. Well, when you have a situation like this, you don't often see a wrestler shoot a chicken wing uh, in there. Is there a reason for that? Well, I'll tell you, a chicken wing is, is really effective if you can use the arm bar across the face with it. And I'll tell you, most of the fellas here are big. And unless it's a guy, a long-range fellow with those long arms that he can really complete the hold, then it's fine. And you could go into a submission from that because it's a devastating hold. But most of us, you know, the guys are so big and massive that it's hard to really reach around to a chicken wing and then really hook around the, the face to, to hook your own hands to, and, and be able to reach it, in other words, Vince. You know. Too much mass then as compared to the amateurs or something where you can easily... Uh, like, like, just think about what they're talking about. The, especially Bruno, actually talking about a in professional wrestling, talking about a move and the counter moves as if they were real, <laughs> incredible <laughs> moves. I mean, that's hysterical, isn't it? Yeah, the, 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 yeah. Because you forget, right? I'm, I'm even listening to it and like, wow, I, I'm trying to remember what was the chicken wing move. I'm like, wait, this none of this was real. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically putting a guy's arm behind his back. 
and then you had the other with one arm, and the other arm you kind of bash him in the head. Like that's basically. Oh, I see. Like the forearm smash <laughs> while you holding his arm. So none of it was real, but you know you can really get caught up in it and forget that it's not real. Correct, especially Br- listen. Bruno Sammartino has just gone through the machinations of this move, the counters, and how it doesn't work these days. And he's speaking, like, so earnestly. But, I mean, to them it was. I mean, they had to learn the moves, right? They actually had to do them. It was all staged, but they had to know the technique. And so he knew what he was talking about. But, you know, he made it sound like, yeah, this can actually happen in real life. (laughs) And, And the moves now I don't think have names except for your finishing move. I don't think, like, if it's not a finishing move in today's world, I don't think people are talking about the chicken wing or whatever, you know? Um, and then there's Killer Kowalski with the foreign object. Kowalski has no longer that foreign object in the forehead of his mask. Remember, he threw it to the Grand Wizard. The Grand Wizard, no place to be seen. He went back to the dressing room, probably to stay. So Killer Kowalski uses a foreign object, scrapes it across the guy's forehead, whatever, throws it to the wizard. Wizard goes to the locker room. To the manager, so, yeah. So the, yeah, so, the, so the, the ref can't see it, you know? Um, that was the thing. And no matter what kind of foreign object it was, it was always referred to as a foreign object. Yeah. <laughs> they never got specific about what exactly it was. And, and almost every week there was somebody had a foreign object. Foreign object. Every week there was a foreign object. And then, like, this was match of matches, finally. Because we had so much angst and aggravation about the foreign object, especially who was the, the in the 70s, who was the worst guy that would bring out that thumb, the foreign object, every single match? Do you remember this guy? No, I don't remember who that was. Ernie Ladd. Ernie Ladd. In his pants. Former Dallas Cowboy, right? Yes. In his a big, tall guy, too. Big, husky guy. Yeah. He, he would go into his tights, and he'd pull out this, like, uh, uh, paper mache or something, you know, uh, thumb piece that we put on his thumb and claim that he's got some problems with his thumb that he needed that. And he would jam that into the guy's throat. In, you know, Oof. So fine, like, my brother and I, we would go crazy. Every time we see Ernie Lab, how and we legit would have conversations at, like, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. How is it that this referee does not see this foreign object? Really? Like, Boy, what? you guys are no. We would just get you, get, you get so angry. <laughs> <laughs> the cheating, you know. The, not, Plus, you got to remember in the in the seventies, those wrestler tights. I mean, they were literally like um, like speedos. <laughs> so these guys would come out wearing nothing but picture it a speedo and like wrestling boots. Right, that would be it. Yeah. So whatever they were hiding in their shorts, I mean, you could put you could put uh, like a. <laughs> Like a, like a sewing needle in it, and it would stick out because that's how tight these things were. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but then there was the one day, I don't know if you remember this, Ernie Ladd finally got, Ernie Ladd finally got his comeuppance. National Wrestling, and you have a comment concerning tomorrow night's main event set for New Haven, Connecticut, when the big cat Ernie Ladd meets Andre the Giant. Vince, I certainly wouldn't miss this match for anything in the world. Uh, this has got to be a real classic. Uh, Andre the Giant, seven foot four, uh, well over that 400 pound mark, and Ernie the Cat Lad, unbelievable, six nine or six ten, or well over that uh, 350 pound mark. This is the type of match where one of these individuals is going to get hurt and get hurt serious because everything you do in that ring is doubly compounded because of the size of these two men. It wouldn't surprise me if they collapsed the entire ring. I've seen it happen before. I know both of these individuals very well. This match has got to be one of the matches of the century. 
match of the century, and I remember this match. I never saw it, but I remember seeing like they would sometimes replay, you know, on channel sixty seven a little bit about right. the match. And like little clips. So I remember seeing Ernie Led take out the foreign object, and Andre would have nothing of it. He literally took Ernie Led's thumb and put Ernie Led like to his back, you know, back to back to stomach, whatever. And he would he would he put the use the foreign object on Ernie Led. Oh wow! To to end all the all the shenanigans with the foreign object. Thank God for uh, for Andre to, to to carry the day. He put an end to it, and I, I assume Ernie Ladd never used it again. I'm sure he used it like the week after. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that. So I don't know. I know that it's such a small thing, but these little things, just you know, the the moves, the description of these moves, the the foreign objects, the managers' interviews. Like if you really look at it, a lot of that's and, and those. By the way, those interviews seemed to be off the cuff. There was no script. You know, they would just right. They would just. And I have a lot on that coming up uh, next. When we get back. But you some know. of the yeah, some of the the managers were really colorful. Who was the one who started calling people pencil neck geeks? Yeah, that, that was classy Freddie Blassie. Classy Freddie Blassie. The fashion plate of wrestling. He would always have a nice outfit on. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Pencil neck geeks. And so when we get when we to, when we get to our stick around because the last section of our show, at some point they did manager of the year. I think it was nineteen seventy seven. I have some some stuff on that that you're just you're gonna laugh. You, there's no doubt you're gonna laugh. Let's return though. When we return, let's talk about the anatomy of a rivalry. I'm going to show you how a rivalry, and it was the typical thing that would happen. It happened a lot of times. But between Rocky Maivia and, and Bob Backlund, how an amazing rivalry was built up. And uh, and I'm not sure this kind of stuff happens now, either good or bad. It's just a totally different animal now. Uh, so let's uh, let's take a look at that when we get back right here on, uh, on Everything Old is New Again, uh, talking all things wrestling from the 70s versus now. Hi, this is Walter Koenig, and you're listening to Everything Old is New Again with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. This is Terrence Winter, writer and executive producer of The Sopranos, creator and executive producer of Boardwalk Empire and The New Vinyl on HBO. And you're listening to my friends Douglas Viviani and David Cohen on Everything Old is New Again. Hey, it's Dr. Peter Weller. I'm here with my friends David Cohen and Douglas Viviani on Everything Old is New Again, one of my favorite shows. And I may not be the most interesting man in the world, but I'm one of them. Hello, everyone. I'm Dee Dee Sorvino, co-author of Pinot Pasta and Parties, along with your favorite good fella. Paul Sorvino. And we are here to tell you that you should be listening every day, all day long. Wake up to it and sleep with it. Everything old is new again with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Hi, this is Paul McGann, the Eighth Doctor, and you're listening to Everything Old is New Again. This is Bobby Clark for Everything Old is New Again and the nostalgic look to the future. Now, back to America's entertainment pop culture talk show, Everything Old is New Again, with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Now we're going to talk about the living legend. I'm glad this match. I'm glad for that. You know why? Because right now, San Martino is in the finest condition of his life. There'll be no excuses. He's trained hard. I know the man is doing road work. I know the man is training with weights. I know the man is at the peak of condition. So there, and you know it's a stepping stone. If you get past San Martino, 
We know the belt. We got the belt, baby. One should be San Martino. We got it made. <laughs> we go back here and everything old is new again. Having some fun with the old uh, the old days of wrestling in the 1970s. That's Captain Lou Albano. And he always they always went into like how tall a guy was, what their weight was, that they're in shape, that they're working out, like really took it from boxing, I guess, you know, to try to lend some authenticity to the to the events. Does that make sense? Right. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And we bought it. We bought all of it. You better believe it. Um, so, like, here's the thing. Um, I'm going to show here a little bit of the anatomy of a rivalry, which I'm not sure they do this way anymore. And again, good, bad, different. It's just different. Uh, Rocky Maivia is going to be uh, the center of attention here. So the first match, uh, real quick, is Rocky Maivia against Dominic Danucci. Remember this guy? From the Isle of Samoa, weighing 275 pounds, it is Aichi Peter Maivia. And from Venice, Italy, weighing 256 pounds, Dominic Danucci. Like, first of all, is he really from Venice? Is, is he, of course was, not. Of course not. Is there anybody? He's, from, in, he's probably from Hoboken. <laughs> this, this gorgeous city in Italy and all this history and whatever. And he's he's practicing wrestling and he comes to America to wrestle? I don't think so. Yeah, no. I don't, I don't see it. <laughs> So, but there's where it starts. So you had Peter Maivia, and that was on the on channel, you know, sixty seven. Not such a great match. He was, you know, he's building himself up, you know. Like, and Peter Maivia just so he was he was actually Native American. Um, no, Samoan. Samo- oh, sorry, Samoan. Yes. Okay, but he was actually Samoan. Yes, he was. So he he would you know be proud of his heritage, and he would right. show that. And he's the high chief. Okay. So they're building him up, you know. And Dominic right. Danucci is one of these guys, where, like, like, you know, Marin Parra, Miguel Sagluna. They sort of, you definitely know the name because he's the the enemy you see all the time. And he seems like a decent wrestler. And he seems like he has a small chance of winning. But, of course, they never do. Because you know? <laughs> they want to build up Peter Maivia, right? So, all right. Sure. So Maivia finally now um, has... Uh, Wait a minute, i got to get the right clip. He finally has the chance. He now builds himself up to the point where he's in a tag team with the champion at the time, which is Bob Backlund, who was the champion after Bruno. So now we have a match here where we've got Rocky Maivia and Bob Backlund, and here's like the anatomy of the usual, the usual rivalry. Here we go. But meanwhile, Bob Backlund is taking the brunt of it. Backlund over the top rope and out to the concrete floor. And my is not even out helping Bob Backlund up. Nothing worked. Oh, no, I can't believe that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Backlund might be a ripping his shirt off going. That might be a choking out of going. Might be a beating out of going. Backlund out. 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 Turning on Bob 
There we go. So the, <laughs> the usual routine. So right. Bob Backlund was thrown out of the ring or something, and his tag team partner like jumped in and started beating on him, basically. No, it's sort of that. What it was is Backlund was being double teamed by the other two. Like, he was in the corner. So the yeah. one guy was out of the ring. The other guy's in the ring. They're both double teaming Bob Backlund. So usually your tag team partner will then we'll let come you in the rope. You. Come in. Yeah. So the tag team partner was Peter Maivia for Backlund. He came in. But he joined in the melee and started he beating up in. on the <laughs> Yeah. First, he wouldn't yeah. do anything for and, a while. And then he let, he let it happen. And they're questioning, why is he letting it happen? And then he goes in and, and beats up his own partner. And wow. then there's Bob Backlund. What, what happened? What, what's going on? Despicable, <laughs> as they said. Despicable act. But, right. and then, but the, the pandemonium, the thing I loved watching on TV was when the other wrestlers would run into the ring in street clothes from the locker room, (laughs) quote-unquote, because they had to stop this horrific thing that was happening in the ring. Exactly. That was crazy. Exactly. But but that was nice. You got a little bit bit of uh, justice then, you know. Yeah. You see Ivan Putsky coming out in jeans and a shirt, you know, like street clothes. It was great. All right, so now here's an explanation now later on. It's because we're still going into the rivalry now. The rivalry just started right. between Maivia right. and Backlund. Now, why did Maivia do that? Why did he do that? Freddie Blass, he's going to tell you why. And this is the man who on the 20th of November in Madison Square Garden will oppose Bob Backlund for the championship. Your explanation, please. I have no explanation whatsoever, Mr. McMahon. But I know one thing that I've got this Backlund where I wanted him to be. Backlund, look forward and you look straight at me in the eye when you're facing me in the garden. Because of what you did in the past, you used me and your manager. No more! Because this time, I'm going to teach you a lesson that you were never being teach before. Maivia attempting to teach Bob Backlund a lesson in Madison Square Garden. How about that? That's from that from my VM sub. I misspoke. That I pressed the wrong. I don't know what happened to this to the clip. I had a clip of Freddie Blassie. Here it is explaining. Here's now here's Freddie just to back that up. McMahon, this is a wrestler who's been reborn again. Talking about Peter Maivia. You know, for weeks and weeks I've been talking to him, showing him, telling him what has been happening to him right along. He could not see it, but finally he's seen the light. Could finally, he's what? seen light. That Backlund was using him, just like Chief J. Strongbow used him. And I finally made him see the light. Blassie's charm finally made him fade off. using it? He took him as a tag team partner so he wouldn't have to wrestle him as his individual and defend his title. And Blassie's charm finally paid off. That is spelled charm, M-O-N-E-Y. <laughs> just like all the rest of these guys have fallen in line. First Spears Arion, they said it couldn't be done. And Blassie's charm, M-O-N-E-Y, paid off. And then I took Victor Rivera out of the welfare line, and that charm paid off again, M-O-N-E-Y. And now it's paid off again by Savage Samoan, Chief Peter Maivia. Now we want Tony Gurria, Larry Zabisco, Dominic Danucci, Dino Bravo. And then we want the rest of those pencil neck geeks, Chief J. Strongbow, that hypocrite. That's who we want. That's right, dude. He's the one that started all this rigmarole and tried to sideswipe this Samoan. The Samoan, he's a very gentle soul. He should have been told. And I was the one that told him. Told him to see the light. That's why he joined Blassie's army. He's now in my army. He should have been told what? Did you guess get... it was a soap opera. <laughs> and, and, but, but they built it up. Like, Freddie Blassie sure. gave that interview, and then, then Maivia 
and Backlund had a, a match in Madison Square Garden. Like, this was built up over months on TV, right? And then you're so riled up. My father saw this, and he said he finally decided, I'm going wrestling with you guys. This really? Ang- yeah, this angers me. This guy <laughs> angers me. <laughs> and oh, Freddie Blassie funny. was just so great, just sticking in your face, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and but he, lo- I love that he has his own army. He's building up a corral, so to speak. He says at other times of his of his wrestlers, a stable. That was really what he calls it, a my stable. stable of wrestlers. And uh, almost before the NWO, if you remember that group, you know, they a, a group of wrestlers would stay together, so they would follow one particular manager. But wh- after all that, did we figure out? What was the reason that Peter Maivia got so upset? What, what wasn't he told? What was he being used? He was about? being used for, <laughs> because he didn't want to, because the other guy didn't want to like face him in the ring. Right. So he, he became his tag team partner instead. Right. That was the lie. <laughs> you never questioned it. You wanted to go. After all that rigmarole, he calls yeah, it. Yeah, you didn't care like why it happened or what the reason was, but it happened, you know, and that's what you were into, and you wanted to see the, you wanted to see the bout. Yeah, you you turned on Bob Backlund. You turned on him. You were his, that was the worst thing you could do was turn on your tag team partner. That was, uh, and they didn't hesitate by putting like I don't think they do it now. They're the champions like Roman Reigns or whoever. Do they get into a a match? That where they're a tag team partner of someone, I'm not so sure. I'm not sure that it happens too much anymore. You know, because that's really where the rivalries come from. Is where you turn on the guy and you manage. I mean, yeah. What other drama can you have in wrestling? I mean, you, that what's the word I'm looking for? Not. I mean, you, you need revenge, but over something that happened, which is like like you become a turncoat, right? Yeah. There's nothing worse. Mm-hmm. It's just the human drama that goes back to Shakespeare. It's great. <laughs> they really they tap into that, and you know you're at home. Betrayal. That's and, the yeah, word I was looking this for. This son Betrayal. of a friend. He he just betrayed. He betrayed. You know Bob Backlund, and therefore he betrayed me because I'm a Backlund right. fan. He's our champion. He's a good guy. Exactly. Uh, we'll come back and talk about the managers and their role and who was manager of the year, or at least run in the running in, for manager of the year, 1977. What are you doing? This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Uh, welcome back to Everything Old is New Again. Uh, we are uh, featuring a little uh, walk down mystery lane here, memory lane here with uh, the WWF from the 1970s. little promo there for the Nassau Coliseum. I played on because that's local for us. I'm sure they were. you had wrestling organizations wherever you are in the 70s promoting you know, your next event. And um, so now the next question is this. Uh, Managers of the Year, David Cohen, 1977. Who were the big managers in wrestling? Lou Albano, 
Freddie, uh, Freddie, Freddie Blassie. There he is, and um, the Grand Wizard. But there's one more. The Grand Wizard. Who was the manager of Bruno? You never saw this guy. It was mentioned before because then he managed uh, Bob Backlund. Arnold Ooh. Skolin. Remember Arnold, the name Arnold Skolin? I don't. He was no. this guy, and he'd come. He'd have just the suit on, and he was very soft spoken, and he was not one of these, you know, meandering guys who just, you know, just ranting and raving. He was like hmm. the voice of reason. You very rarely saw him. All right, let's hear this. They had this event set up. Who is going to be manager of the year? And so now here's Freddie Blassie trying to explain to you why he should be. Isn't that beautiful, Mr. Blassie? Is that not beautiful? That certainly is. I got a place in my den just about that size. And I want back you to off just a little bit and let the people looking at the look trophy. At this is the trophy. That's my Where's trophy. That's my trophy. I got the place at home in my den just proper for that thing. You know, incidentally, I posed for this thing here. This is Freddie Blassie on Not a very good likeness, Mr. Blassie. Well, the guy wasn't too good at doing it, but this is what I pose for. Incidentally, I'll have you know the first top three men are separated by a margin of about 25 votes. But nevertheless, there have been some rather dramatic changes here, as we're uh, certainly proud to announce that now the individual with more votes than any other manager is a fellow by the name of Arnold Skolden, the Golden Globe. And I want to tell you something about Arnold Skolden. I know for a fact... Every day, Arnold Skolin goes down Manhattan, down the Bowery, and he passed out dollar bills to those drunks and those winos and has them vote for him. That's how Arnold Skolin's in the lead. Wow. So he, he, he goes to homeless people, gives them money so that the homeless people will vote for him for manager of the year exactly. in some wrestling league. I mean, Freddie Blessing. Freddie Blessing, he is like the king of these obscure insane theories he could be if he was around now he could literally he'd be, he'd be, on, be president and he'd be on this yeah he would he also would be he would be on this show and you know we could we could develop theories together we'd have a blast freddie Blassie would be hysterical um i'm sure he's not around anymore no he's not unfortunately how about remember the wizard here's another one the grand wizard of wrestling Yeah, the Grand Wizard. I think he came up with that because he 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 was very like unassuming, right? He had a like he did this whole getup to make himself look crazy, but he was really very nondescript. Exactly. There we go. Yeah. So did the Grand Wizard. I mean, you would see he he had the turban on, right? 
And he had those yeah. crazy glasses. And he crazy glasses, because otherwise he was very nondescript. Other than he was spitting like a lunatic when he was talk, you know, talking all the time. Remember that? <laughs> I remember that. I never wanted to see him talk. He's always spitting. So, there, so there's the next one. And now finally, here we have my favorite, but doesn't mean he's going to win. It, it is, you know, the, the man of men, the, the, the manager of managers, Captain Lou Albano. Mr. Albano, of course, uh, representing George Steele on this occasion and also representing the Yukon Lumberjacks, Eric and Pierre. Well, Yukon Lumberjacks, yes, but let's get down to George Steele. Let's talk about George Steele and Dusty Rhodes. Let's talk about Dusty Rhodes and George Steele. Number one, Rhodes has been coming out here. He's been mouthing off. He's been telling you what he's going to do, how he's going to do it, how proud he is, how he wants all his little black, green, yellow, red, purple fans all to get behind him, to come up, to stand with him. He wants unity. He wants all the people with him telling you what he's going to do, how great he is. Stand up when I talk. You look too short the other way. Telling you how he's going to do it, how big he is. But did he ever say, Vince McMahon, I'm running scared? I don't believe we've Did heard he that. ever say, Vince McMahon, what can I do with the animal? I'm sure that's crazy. Did he ever say, Vince McMahon, what can I do? Did he ever say that? I'm sure that is certainly crossed. Did he ever front. say, Vince McMahon, how can I, where can I turn to? Where can I hide? Lou Did he ever say, Vince McMahon, can I win the match? <laughs> That sounds familiar. We've actually seen that happen with barbecue guy and fondue guys once in a while. <laughs> we won't let them get a word in edgewise. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the interviews are not the same. Managers are not the same. Uh, who's going to win that? Of those three, or Arnold Skoll and David Cohen, who do you think is going to win that? Manager of the year. Uh-oh, I don't hear you. Lou Albano will win. All right. Well, that's a prediction that we will pay off next week when we get back. We're going to continue talking all things uh, wrestling from the 70s and see who won Manager of the Year 1977. How about this? This is something I never really saw uh, until, well, I mean, much later, but I always heard about this happening in Madison Square Garden, the steel cage match. <laughs> In the 70s, so the type of matches was so cool. Here's a little piece of San Martino against uh, Koloff. What's his name? Cor oh! Ivan Koloff. Suck over in the corner ring, and San Martino makes his way to the outside. Koloff again, crouches down in the ring, in the corner, and he's all done. San Martino goes through the steel cage, and it's all over. And the fans go absolutely berserk. So that, to me, was really actually of all these kind of crazy matches, the steel cage match was really a mystery to me. The rules and all that, what was it about? And once I found out, I thought it was the coolest thing. So what are the rules? Remember the rules for a steel cage? I don't. Oh, no. my God. Well, I don't. It's a steel cage without a top on it. So if you climb up to the top oh, right. of the steel cage and get out and climb back down, you win. Yeah, you got to get out of the cage through the top. Or um, I think that there's a lock on the door, and you've got to use the key to unlock the door, which when you're doing that, your back is to your opponent so you can get you know uh, attacked if, if, if you're not careful. But if you open the door and then walk out of the steel cage through the door, you also win. 
Okay. And so, you know, that was like Bruno's thing. He would do the steel cages. But the thing is, have you ever seen, do you remember Bruno? Like, he's he's so popular. And he's the champion for so long. Do you ever, do you remember what his moves were? Like, like we know the Rocks moves and we know, you know, all these different play. you know, all these different wrestlers, what they, the finishing move and all this. What was, what was Bruno known for? Did he have one? He did. You ready for it? Probably the most boring move on the planet. Superstar rolling over top of one. On the two. Superstar right back on San Martino. San Martino to the ropes. Coming off into a bear hug now. San Martino appears to be going limp. We may have a submission here on the part of San Martino. If we do, it would be the first time in San Martino's career. Not- the bear hug. He literally just would just hu- bear hug a guy <laughs> until the guy was like gave up, you know, or was out of breath or whatever. That was it. The test of strength was the only other one with the hands, the fingers yeah, in the air, fingers right, to fingers. Right. Those were the two things that Bruno would do all the time. And man, compared to now, Bruno, you know, you, you got to watch these matches. They they do build. You know, uh, what would you say? They they do build up to a climax, you know, but they're not like these matches today where they're 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 jumping off the high ropes and all this. So you look at it, you go, how could this guy have been champion? You know, like but he knew some moves, this and that, but it was the bear hug. That was Bruno's maneuver. The bear hug. Because his wow. biceps were so strong, he'd he'd squeeze the air out. He of would you. squeeze you the air out of you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what could I tell that you? That could hurt. It could hurt. And it could also uh, end your career, as they always used to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be back next week. We'll uh, take a visit to the Nassau Coliseum because uh, my dad wants to now take us. He's so infuriated with Rocky Maivia and turning on Chief J. Strongbow. It's time to go to the Coliseum and support WWF Wrestling in the 1970s. And we'll also find out who was manager of the year. 1977. We'll find out. So come on back. Everything old is new again. And uh, you'll continue some investigation into WWWF 1970.